Welcome back to the Host Dispatch. I'm your co-host, Claire Bowman. In today's mini-sode, Anar and I offer ways in which to pay respect to Native people as an antidote to the ever-problematic holiday of Thanksgiving and its frightening capitalist cousin, Black Friday. Friday is in fact Indigenous Peoples Day, and the month of November is Native American Heritage Month. This is a time to celebrate Indigenous cultures and to acknowledge the important contributions of Native people. Native American Heritage Month is also a great time to educate ourselves about the history of this land and the challenges Native people have faced both historically and in the present, and the ways in which we can be of service. ANAR offers three easy ways to get involved in Native American Heritage Month, and then we discuss a new collection, When the Light of the World Was Subdued, Our Songs Came Through, a Norton anthology of Native Nations poetry edited by U.S. Poet Laureate Joy Harjo. We hope you're staying safe out there, taking care of each other, and as always, thanks for listening. holidays are officially upon us it doesn't feel like a holiday season to me yet oh my god I already put up like my Christmas decorations (laughs) I put my wreath in front of my door I feel really basic but but festive festive um have you had any like hot toddies or apple cider or hot chocolate yet I have I've been enjoying hot toddies and apple cider uh lately In the comfort of my own home. (laughs) I feel like that's kind of like when it starts. You start consuming festive beverages. Yes. And now that the weather is cooling down, finally, it feels pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that you want to do a mini-sode with us this week. Um, I feel like this is a great way to celebrate voices that we love and appreciate, um, especially in a time where consumerism is about to run rampant um mm-hmm. and we can give folks a little guide as to how they can celebrate native american and indigenous voices especially this friday mm-hmm. and um just all month long for native american heritage month yeah absolutely i think part of what i've experienced being stuck indoors and not really traveling for the holidays this year has been, I don't know, a feeling of wanting to reach out and connect with people in in different ways. Like, that's the theme of the year, basically, the theme of 2020. So, yeah, if we're not traveling and maybe we're not going to blow it up hardcore this year, <laughs> uh, we should have more time on our hands and maybe a little extra cash, too. I know it's it's difficult for people during the pandemic with a variety of different job situations, But I feel very fortunate that life has gone on as usual for the most part in that department for me. And so I definitely want to take more time to focus on things that matter to me beyond just the scope of my own little home and family. I will second that and um, also say that, you know, there is a little bit of cash left over when you don't have dinner with your friends once a month (laughs) or 10 times a month Um, yeah and it's been a learning experience kind of evaluating 
where our finances and our money can go. Um, so I will mention a couple of places we can donate to in this episode, but when we put up our Instagram post, we will absolutely make sure there are links available. So mm-hmm. those of you listening don't have to like have a pen in front of you right this moment. Perfect. So it is Native American Heritage Month. And this Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, is Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes. And so the purpose of this podcast is to celebrate Native American and Indigenous voices. And it's going to be brief. We're going to mention a few ways that we can support Native American and Indigenous peoples in our own lives, um, Mm -hmm. how we can honor and acknowledge the land that we're on, um, the Native American and Indigenous peoples in our community, and just as host publications, Native American and Indigenous writers. Yeah, as people who love books, um, I think it's definitely important for us to, to recognize that there cannot be an American literature and specifically poetry we're talking about today, there can't be an American poetry without Native voices. That's just a given. So it's super important. It is the foundation of our culture in many ways that absolutely has been not only overlooked, but abused and taken advantage of. And so I think it's really important if we do nothing else, if we have no money to donate, to read those writers work and to hear their voices there's just no way you're not going to learn something exactly um so we will be closing out with a discussion of a brand new enormous gorgeous (laughs) collection that just came out but first i will mention just a few ways uh that we can actively honor native american and indigenous peoples so first off education. Um, There's tons of great resources that recognize the contributions made by Native Americans, and those resources showcase exhibits, art, historical archives, lots and lots of fun, beautifully curated collections online. Um, Two quick resources that link out to so many more resources, NativeAmericanHeritageMonth.gov and the National Park Service website, which is nps.gov. Ooh, I'm so excited to learn more. We did our research independently, so I'm here I'm here to learn about these links along with everyone else today. I will link you out. And like I said before, we'll make sure to share this on our stories and on our Instagram grid. Um, another easy, mindful way is to make donations to Native American organizations and shop Native American-owned businesses. Yes. So two organizations to get y'all started is the American Indian College Fund and the First Peoples Fund. And one very essential, very urgent fund that you can donate to now is the Navajo and Hopi COVID-19 Relief Fund. Yeah. They, of course, like the rest of the country, are experiencing a huge surge in COVID-19 cases and... Reservations have, you know, historically had fewer resources. And so from what I understand, it's been a really tragic and difficult situation, especially for them. So Mm -hmm. I think that is a perfect relief fund to donate to right now as we 
coast into the holidays and start to face what what that will bring to the table. Absolutely. Also, making donations on behalf of people as a great gift. I know I love receiving those kinds of gifts for my birthday and the holidays. And it's just nice. You don't have to pay for shipping. Um, You just make a nice, nice donation. Anar and I both have birthdays coming up in December. So if you need someone to donate on behalf of, feel free to celebrate us this winter. (laughs) Yes, please. It's my dirty 30. Wow, that's such a good one. We'll have to have some kind of um, Zoom cocktail hour. Yes, dirty chais at 10 (laughs) a.m. Welcome to your 30s. Um, A third way that I find really fascinating that can open up lots of opportunities for you to connect with Native American and Indigenous peoples in your area is by practicing land acknowledgement um, and encouraging institutions and your alma mater to practice the same. Mm. Um, So land acknowledgement, that means like acknowledging and understanding the tribes that are originally from the land that you currently live on. Mm. And... um, For those Austinites that listen, the Tonkawa tribe was common in this area around the time that Austin was founded, and the Comanche tribe and Lapan Apache tribe also frequently passed through. There's plenty of maps and phone apps online that will show you, based on your zip code or your state, what Native American tribes originate or occupied that property. Yeah, and I recently, having learned this, am now curious, like, how can I connect and donate to those from these tribes that currently live in Austin? Yeah. Um, I'm really curious to see what that opens up for for me and for host publications and for other Austinites that are listening. Yeah, this is a great project. Um, It's never too late to start giving back. And today, Claire and I will actively be celebrating Indigenous Voices by reading and talking about a very special collection. Yes, let me tell you about this collection. It is an anthology edited by Joy Harjo titled, When the Light of the World Was Subdued, Our Songs Came Through. It's a Norton anthology of Native Nations poetry. This is hot off the press. It just came out, I just got my copy, and it feels like such a gift because This particular anthology of Native Voices, and there are others out there, by the way. Um, First of all, it's massive, and it's specifically poetry. So it is a treasure trove for those of us who are poets or particularly into poetry. But also, um, it's the first of its kind that addresses the historical arc of Indigenous Nations poetry. So... In this anthology, United States Poet Laureate Joy Harjo gathers the work of over 160 poets representing nearly 100 indigenous nations. Wow. So it's just kind of mind-boggling, right? Those numbers are so high, and I can say from taking a first pass through this anthology that it is overwhelming. It is such a tapestry and so richly woven Lots of unexpected inclusions. 
So one of the coolest things about it, I think, is that the poets in this collection span four centuries. Wow. So from, yeah, from the 1600s to the present, including, Anar, some poets who are even younger than us. Ooh, I love a young poet. <laughs> yeah, we've got poets in their 20s in this anthology, as well as poets who were writing in the 1600s, which is incredible. So... It's such a special collection, and there was so much care and attention put into this by, of course, Joy Harjo, the primary editor, and a huge team of editors who assisted her, including two of her university classes um, helped her assemble content and work on this manuscript, which is over 400 pages long. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a textbook. That's incredible. It is a textbook, but the best possible kind in which it's almost all poetry. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. So another cool thing about this collection is that it's organized in a really special way. So it's organized by geographical regions along a particular directional path through the United States. And I will take a moment here to mention that Native nations, of course, are not confined by national borders. So, right, like Canada and Mexico and Central America, the, these nations spill over into those countries. But um, because of the time and space of just the sheer weight of this book. And just for, I think, concision, the editors kept it to the United States uh, Native Nations. Um, so, you know, it's important to note that it is geographical regions within the U.S. And it's organized uh, along the Muscogean directional path that goes from the northeast to the southwest and that's just kind of a, an honoring of the land's importance to Native culture and Native identity that I think is such a cool way to organize a book. And our you and I go nuts about book organization, and that is just taking it to the next level where the importance of how these works are put together is just as important as the content itself. That is incredible. Um, and I remember you mentioning... This Incredible Introduction by Joy Harjo. So I've, I've read the introduction and I have taken a pass through each of the sections and read some of the poems, handpicked a few for today for us to read. And I have to say I learned so much from this introduction and it is so beautifully written. It's really iconic and I think it's important to note um, some of the things that Joy mentions in it. One of them being that there is such an oral tradition in Native literature and that written language was not even a part of many of the stories that were passed down for so, so long, which is, you know, it presents issues, of course. Uh, I think she's very transparent about how these poets, many of them are trying to um, find a way to maintain like an indigenous language construct in the way that the poems are written, mm -hmm. even though they're written in English. So, you know, I'm just going to have to say I'm so grateful that this collection is in English so that I can read it. And I know that it will bring access to so many people. But that in itself is a complicated matter. Um, it's certainly a symptom of the loss of language and culture that took place through 
the genocidal process of our nation's history. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks a lot about that, and it's it's so brilliant. And I just feel even more grateful to be able to to read this book. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Claire, for introducing this collection and for getting your copy so quickly. I cannot wait to catch up, but I'm so grateful that you've brought some poems for us to read today. Yes. Um, Let's start with a poem by Joy Harjo. That just seems appropriate. And we're just going to get some of these poems in the air We want to treat them with the utmost honor and respect. And so we're going to read them aloud for you today as a way to pay homage to Native nations, um, not just this month and this weekend, but, um, you know, this is a huge collection that we'll be reading for years to come. (laughs) And with that, I will start us off with Joy Harjo. Joy Harjo was born in 1951. Muskogee, a poet, musician, writer, playwright, and performer. She was appointed the 23rd Poet Laureate of the United States in 2019. She's the author of nine books of poetry, including her most recent, An American Sunrise. She has been honored with the 2017 Ruth Lilly Prize from the Poetry Foundation, the Wallace Stevens Award from the Academy of American Poets, and a Guggenheim Fellowship. Her memoir, Crazy Brave, won the Penn USA Literary Award for Creative Nonfiction. Her music has been awarded a Native American Music Award for Best Female Artist of the Year, 2009. She is co-founder with Jennifer Elise Forrester of an arts mentorship program for Muskogee citizens. And the poem of joys that I will be reading today is called Rabbit is Up to Tricks. Rabbit is up to tricks. In a world long before this one, there was enough for everyone, until somebody got out of line. We heard it was Rabbit, fooling around with clay and wind. Everybody was tired of his tricks, and no one would play with him. He was lonely in this world, so Rabbit thought to make a person. And when he blew into the mouth of the crude figure to see what would happen, the clay man stood up. Rabbit showed the clay man how to steal a chicken. The clay man obeyed. Rabbit showed him how to steal corn. The clay man obeyed. Then he showed him how to steal someone else's wife. The clay man obeyed. Rabbit felt important and powerful. Clay man felt important and powerful. And once that clay man started, he could not stop. Once he took that chicken, he wanted all the chickens. And once he took that corn, he wanted all the corn. And once he took that wife, he wanted all the wives. He was insatiable. Then he had a taste of gold and he wanted all the gold. Then it was land and anything else he saw. His wanting only made him want more. Soon it was countries, then it was trade. The wanting infected the earth. We lost track of the purpose and reason for life. We began to forget our songs. We forgot our stories. 
We could no longer see or hear our ancestors or talk with each other across the kitchen table. Forests were being mowed down all over the world, and Rabbit had no place to play. Rabbit's trick had backfired. Rabbit tried to call the clay man back, but when the clay man wouldn't listen, Rabbit realized he'd made a clay man with no ears. Mm, wow. <sighs> I've been a fan of Joy Harjo's poetry since I was about 19, and it's like such a comfort to enter into her mythical world-creating spaces. Yeah, that was so beautiful. I mean, she's poet laureate for the third time. I know. <laughs> she's killing it. Yeah. Wow. That was beautiful. Would you like to read us a poem next? Of course. I am so excited to read this next poem by Leslie Marmon Silco, who was born in 1948 and is part of the Laguna tribe. Leslie Marmon Silco was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and raised at Laguna Pueblo. She graduated from the University of New Mexico. A multidimensional artist, she works in poetry, essays, fiction, painting, and film. Her literary works include Storyteller, Ceremony, Almanac of the Dead, Gardens in the Dunes, and The Turquoise Ledge, a memoir. The recipient of a MacArthur Foundation grant and a National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship, Silco lives in Tucson, Arizona. Where mountain lion lay down with deer. I climb the Black Rock Mountain, stepping from day to day, silently. I smell the wind from my ancestors, pale blue leaves, crushed wild mountain smell, returning up the gray stone cliff where I descended a thousand years ago, returning to faded black stone where mountain lion lay down with deer. It is better to stay up here, watching wind's reflection in tall yellow flowers. The old ones who remember me are gone. The old songs are all forgotten, and the story of my birth, how I danced in snow-frost moonlight, distant stars to the end of the earth, how I swam away in freezing mountain water, narrow mossy canyon tumbling down, out of the mountain, out of the deep canyon stone, down, the memory spilling out into the world. Oh my goodness. <sighs> I love her language. It's hers, you know, it's so mm -hmm. unique to her. And um, that book mentioned in her bio, it's a novel titled Ceremony. If you can imagine it, it's a novel with that kind of language throughout. It's, it's like an unending poem. It's incredible, and I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to put it on my list. I'd say it's one of my all-time favorite books. And wow. it is like you're just in a trance reading that. I also, I, I just cannot get over these line breaks and the spacing and the form. Um, it's perfect. 
it is it's it's so structured and yet so organic um i just wanted to say i really loved the line she's so sensory and i i love the line crushed wild mountain smell it's so good you know when i read this i had not read leslie's bio in full and when i noticed that it said she's a multi-dimensional artist um a poet, a painter, essayist, and works in film. Mm-hmm. The poems clicked. Like, this is the poetry of a true artist that is yeah. so broad in their skill and range. And um, you can always kind of tell when a poet is, you know, a photographer or a filmmaker or a painter. And I definitely sense that from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has that visual element, but she also has that sort of synesthetic mm-hmm. element. Yes. <sighs> Thank you. That was beautiful. So this is someone I hadn't read before, uh, totally new to me, and also someone from a bit longer ago, um, Mary Tallmountain uh, of the Koyukon tribe. She was born in 1918 and passed away in 1994. Mary Tallmountain was a poet, stenographer, and educator. Born in Nulato, Alaska, along the Yukon River, she was adopted and relocated to Oregon. In her later years, she moved to San Francisco, started her own stenography business, and began to write poetry. She is the author of The Light on the Tent Wall, A Quick Brush of Wings, and the posthumous collection, Listen to the Night. While living in San Francisco, she founded the Tenderloin Women Writers Workshop, which supported women's literary expression. And the poem of hers I'll read from this anthology is titled, There Is No Word for Goodbye. Soyoka, I said, looking through the net of wrinkles into wise black pools of her eyes. What do you say in Athabascan when you leave each other? What is the word for goodbye? A shade of feeling rippled the wind-tanned skin. Ah, nothing, she said, watching the river flash. She looked at me close. We just say, ta. That means, see you. We never leave each other. When does your mouth say goodbye to your heart? She touched me light as a bluebell. You forget when you leave us. You're so small then. We don't use that word. We always think you're coming back. But if you don't, we'll see you someplace else. You understand. There is no word for goodbye. I cried the first time I read that and just now. <laughs> oh. Hearing you read it. It is so beautiful. It's incredibly touching in the most sincere way. It doesn't feel cloying like it's trying to get an emotional response from me. It feels so matter of fact. And what I love about this poem is something that I learned in a class. Um, The class was, you know, this was in the early 2000s and it was called Native American Literature. Um, 
that I took as an undergrad. And one of the big things we talked about in that class is the fact that in indigenous languages, constructs of time are completely different. And so verb tenses, either there aren't a lot or they're completely different as well. And so there is no past tense or future tense in some languages. And that's what resonated with me in this poem, too, is like there isn't a goodbye because there isn't a future in which you don't exist or aren't there for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, about time and and the way that I think that like love and that family is not a linear thing. Yes. And I was just so touched and comforted by that. Um, it's beautiful. I love we always think you're coming back, but if you don't, we'll see you someplace else. It's just, it's so simple, yeah. you know? It's not employing these super rich pieces of language, you know, that are meant to be, like, visually evocative, like Leslie Marmon Silko. Um, it's a totally different style and aura, and it's still so affecting. So that's a new poet to me, Mary Tall Mountain. This anthology is doing its job. <sighs> it's filling our hearts up. Yes, and it's bringing <laughs> some new favorites. And yeah, I'm going to have to get my hands on a couple of these collections that you mentioned earlier. Oh, that was so much fun. You ready to tell us about William Bearheart? Absolutely. So I'd love to close this out with a very different but very fun poem that is part of this collection. Um, it's by B. William Bearhart, born in 1979, part of the Anishinaabe St. Croix tribe. Bearhart earned an MFA from the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe. In addition to writing and editing, Bearhart works as a poker dealer at a small casino in Wisconsin. His poetry has been published in the Boston Review, Prairie Schooner, North American Review, Tapello, Quarterly, and Pink Magazine. When I was in Las Vegas and saw a Warhol painting of Geronimo, I thought, we could be related, Andy and I. We're both blue walls and yellow cows in a gallery of pristine white. We're both screen prints, offset and layered, underexposed, we're both silver clouds filled with helium and polluted rain. We're both white and blonde and scared of hospitals. Only, I'm not really any of those things. And then I thought, we could be related, Geronimo and I. We're both code names for assassinations. We're both first names you yell when you jump from a plane. We're both gamblers and dead and neon acrylic brush strokes on a screen-printed image. Only, I'm more like a neon beer sign, sputtering in a tavern window, burned out, broke, a heart with arrhythmic beats. Wow, that is such a different poem. <laughs> but it's so much fun. It is. Wow. <laughs> So this is obviously a slightly younger poet, sort of more in our general, generational vicinity. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that this poet is so ironic 
in a way. Um, even in that first line, I thought we could be related, Andy and I. <laughs> and then explaining all the ways in which they could be related. And then, of course, the last line of that stanza is, only I'm not actually any of those things. Um, it's so funny and poking fun at... Um, stereotypes and prejudices, I think, at the same time as it's really expressing this in offbeat and unexpected ways. The language just kind of shifts and plays around and mutates from the second stanza. I really love, we're both gamblers and dead and neon acrylic brush strokes on a screen printed image. It's really cool. Isn't that so beautiful? I really felt... Only I'm more like a neon beer sign sputtering. Um, AJ and I like to play a little game where we'll be like, AJ, people are constantly telling him that he looks like Jeff Goldblum. But we like to play a game where it's like, I'm Jeff Goldblum, but the one we have at home, like the uh, the great value version. <laughs> so yeah. I'll be like, I'm Natalie Portman that we have at home. Um, it's a fun game. Anyway. <laughs> this poem is like... Looking at an Andy Warhol painting of Geronimo, and we all, of course, know what an Andy Warhol painting looks like, so mm -hmm. I haven't seen this particular painting, but I know what it's going to look like. Bright mm -hmm. neon colors. Um, not a caricature, necessarily. It's more realistic than that, but I think the colors and the two-dimensionality of it are a kind of caricature. And obviously, it's Geronimo you know, a native figure who has been produced and reproduced through history to a point of being kind of a, a cartoon character. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're playing with image and stereotype and representation, but in such a subtle way. I don't know. It's both subtle and not subtle. I, I really enjoy the way that this poet is playing with those things. Yeah. I'd also say that this is just as vivid as the painting is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very electric. Yeah, we're both blue walls and yellow cows in a gallery of pristine white. Oh, that was cute. Can I say that? It was cute. It's a cute <laughs> poem. <laughs> it's a really good poem. Playful. I'm loving the variety of just the four that we read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine how rich 400 and, what, 50-odd pages um yeah, it's unbelievable. We didn't really dip into any of the poems written, you know, pre-1900s. Um, but I would say that's another little treasure trove within this book. This collection also includes the earliest recorded written poem by a Native person. Mm -hmm. And it was composed as an elegy by someone under the pen name Eleazar. And that's another interesting thing is several of the poets of yore in here wrote under pen names. And so nothing is known about them, which is really sad and, and also really fascinating. And it makes those poems all the more precious. Yeah. Wow. Well, I cannot wait to get my copy. Um, I got my copy at Malvern Books in Austin, Texas, and I know they probably still have at least one copy left. I say, everyone, let's buy them out and they'll order more and we can just keep the cycle going. If you can't order from a local bookstore, we always love to recommend bookshop.org. 
because part of the proceeds goes to local bookstores across the nation. But no matter where you get this book, I think it's a wonderful way to participate in celebrating Native nations and peoples this month and all months. Yeah, thanks for putting this episode together, Claire. It was a pleasure. Anar, thank you for joining me on this little ride. (laughs) 